Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the word. If you are looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com. So this is going to be a two-week kind of two-parter or mini-series. So you're not going to want to miss next week because it's going to resolve some of the things that we kind of open up this week, okay? <clears throat> um, but what we're going to talk about and the name of this little two-part, you know, little mini-series that we're going to do this week and next week is How God Speaks. And have you ever heard someone say, and if you've been saved longer than 10 minutes, my guess is yes to this question, but I'll still ask it. Um, have you ever heard someone say, <clears throat> oh, the Lord spoke to me, yeah. or God told me, or, you know, um, the, 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 the Spirit of God uh, told me something today, um, and something like that. Anybody ever heard somebody say that? Yeah. Okay. I guarantee if you've been here for RCC for a little while, you probably heard me say something like that, that or like that come out of my mouth because um, it does happen. Now, uh, I want to draw a picture and some context real quick about what this means when God uh, speaks to you. There are extremes in everything, right? Like if we just talked about the Cardinals, so we'll talk a little bit about football. So if you have extreme fans, you know, the guy that's, you know, uh, you know, you know, 500 pounds and he paints his entire chest the colors of the, you know, of the team he's cheering for, you know, neck to belt, armpit to armpit. And he's just like wobbling in front of the field goal kicker or whatever, you know what I mean? Like trying to distract and they're screaming. And I actually worked the Cardinals uh, field security several years ago. It was kind of a little side job before it was on Sunday. So before we had the church, right? So um, I was down there, and the weirdest game I was ever a part of was the Cowboy game. Um, believe it or not, the Cowboys to you. Um, but they would open the stadium two and a half hours before the kickoff for people to come in, and people would just start drinking. And the craziest thing that happened on that game was this guy – he was a Cardinals fan. He had like a, a, a long sleeve red, like one of those like workout shirts on. He had a, a Larry Fitzgerald jersey on. Everybody loves Larry. And he had two, and there was all red. And he had two red Budweiser's in each hand and this devil horned mask on where you couldn't see his face. And he just walked around like this going, ah. And we wonder why the Cardinals lose, right? <laughs> it's probably this guy's fault. We got to go down there and have an exorcism, right? So those guys, you see those guys, you'd be like, oh, extreme, bro. And like even the sports fans in the room who kind of still don jerseys and are for it, we would look at those guys and be like, nah, bro, I can't do it. No, 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 you just stay away from me over there, right? Um, now you have, and you have the other, you know, people on the other end who are like, sports are the devil. You know what I mean? So you got all these, these extremes um, because there's people involved. You're going to have extremes with anything when people are involved, including this particular subject. On one hand, you got people who run around and say, God talks to them about everything. God told me to wear slip-on shoes instead of tie shoes today. Okay. Um, the Lord taught me how to make meatloaf last night. We know that's a lie because meatloaf is straight from the pit of hell. No one eats meatloaf. This is nasty. 
Right? It's gross. Tia's looking at me like, what are you talking about? A loaf of meat? Give me a break. Was that come from a loaf of a cow? No, it's, it's wrong. It's wrong. Right? You like it? No, we're going to see. We, we got a lot of people to pray for before the service is over. <laughs> Ross is one of them. So people say all kinds of stuff. God told me to put on my left shoe instead of my right shoe first. He told me um, when I was driving down the road today, when I saw a stop sign, he spoke to me in the stop sign. Like all these kind of things, right? And they say all these things, and they say a whole bunch of things. And um, uh, I would like to tell you today that uh, that's not real. And I say that blanketly because, not because God can't talk to you on every single second of every single day. He can't. He's God. He can do what he wants to. I can't find any scripture that backs that up. I can't find anything in God's word that tells me he told you how to cook tacos. Because if he told you that, I would have to push back on that because I think Enfuego has already been given the taco recipe from heaven, right? Because I love Enfuego tacos. So if, um, but you have these extreme guys who run around saying, God told me, let me give you a prime example. Okay, if you don't have a prime one in your head that you're thinking of, let me tell you a prime example. God told me Donald Trump is going to win the election in 2020. How many people ran around online and said that? God told me Donald Trump's going to win the election, and he didn't win the election. And then what happened? When what happened? People, then what happened? People be like, well, did he get it wrong? Or did you get it wrong? Or what? And the problem is, is that when these people who are on this extreme end of it, they come through and say stuff like that, it reduces the credibility of the people who are honestly trying to listen to the Lord because I listened to a lot of those guys who said, uh, God told me Donald Trump's going to win the election. Yeah. And then afterwards, they're like, well, he kind of did, but he didn't. And the vision is for the future and not for now. And I'm just like, bro, just stop. Just stop. Right. And what happens is destroys credibility for people who are actually trying to hear God and follow him in, a, in, in our life. And now you got another extreme of people who literally have a whole theology and a belief system that God stopped talking when the disciples died. He only spoke to the disciples. The Spirit of God didn't talk to anybody else. He only talked to the disciples who became apostles. Once they died, it's over. You got your Bible. That's all you get. These guys on this extreme are called cessationists, like ceasing, like they, they cease, like the, the, the Spirit of God ceased talking. And... My problem with that is, well, there were people who weren't disciples in the Bible who heard the Lord speak to them or gave direction or something like that. So I'm like, well, he didn't just obviously just talk to the disciples because there wasn't there's only 12 of them, not 120, and a whole 120 of them got the Spirit of God poured out upon them. Right. So there's a lot of this. There's a lot of these extremes. There's cessationists. God doesn't talk anymore ever to anybody because you have His Word. And then over here, you got people like God told me to sleep in an extra five minutes today, and so I did. He told me to eat pancakes instead of waffles today, and so I ate pancakes. I don't know why, but I just did because that's what the Lord said. And you got these extremes, and what happens in our culture, and especially with our media, is the attention is drawn to the extremes. 
If you are on either side of the political aisle, when your side is represented online somewhere, do you ever go like this? Oh my God, why that? Why they interview that person? You know what I mean? Because they're looking for a train wreck because they know we won't look away. There are extremes on both sides. Now, I'm not telling you that God can't talk to you about all these things. He can do whatever he wants. What I'm saying to you is that we're gonna have to go back to scripture to solve a lot of this because there's so many people screaming at each other. God told me, no, he didn't. What about this? What about that? And they're going back and forth. And we're sitting in the middle of like a tennis match or a pickleball match going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth going, man, I'm tired. I just, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to go back to my church and then maybe somebody will solve it for me. So I'm, what I'm hoping that this, this, this week and next week will do is solve some questions give some clarity and give some focus based upon what we find in God's word. Because God will never contradict himself. And since scripture is inspired by God, what he tells you is not going to contradict this. I had a man, a pastor, tell me one time, he said, I know the Bible says that um, those who pursue, who want to do ministry, they actually pursue a good thing. He goes, but I don't think it's good. I was like, time out. Did you just tell me the Bible says this, but you don't think that? Silence. Uh, I'm glad you said that. Let me clarify. Yeah, bro, let's clarify. Right? Like, okay, so we cannot contradict his word because God doesn't contradict himself. So <clears throat> the other reason that I, I really want to do this is because I run across people all the time who say things like this. I know that you're saying God told you, but he's never talked to me. I've never once had an experience where God said something to me and I went, oh, I understand that God's talking to me. I've never had a, a scenario where that happens. And so I know people in ministry who go, I don't know what to do. Maybe I just keep chugging along here. I know people who used to be Christians who go, man, I was raised in the church. I do all this. I, I followed all the things they told me to do, but... I never had God talk to me. I liked all these people. Maybe it's just for them and not for me. You have a other group of people who consistently come to church and go, all y'all are nuts that keep saying that God talked to you because um, you're just getting up in this whole, whole you know, emotional thing. People who are on this wild extreme of God told them every, speaks to them every nine seconds about what socks to wear, about what shoes to wear, about which way to turn on the freeway, all that kind of stuff. And it's every little thing typically are people who are overly emotional. They're governed by their emotions. People on this end over here, cessationist people, God stopped talking. He never talks to you. He never, he'll never speak to you. Um, all that's done. It was just for that time period with the disciples. All these guys over here are overly intellectual. And if they can't make, make a logical conclusion about it, then they just ignore it. And you got these hyper-logical, hyper-emotional people that are at odds with each other, and the rest of us in the middle are going, I don't know what to do. God, I've said this before, doesn't require you to turn off your intellect to serve him. He also doesn't require you to turn off your emotions. He's given you both as an attribute of a human being that you will not worship as an idol. If your emotions govern 
every decision you ever make, your emotions are an idol. If your intellect governs every decision you ever make, it doesn't, if it doesn't make sense, I don't do it. There's nothing that God has ever asked me to step out in faith to do. Then you're, it's almost like an idol. And we have to not submit to our own understanding, Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. How's he directing your paths? He's speaking to you. Now, <clears throat> I think that there would be a better, more beneficial way to say this, but let me, let's start with our notes. So here's what I want to do. I want to say from the top, does God speak to us today? The answer is yes. He does speak to us. Yes. How does God speak to us? Three words. However he wants. You might be like, well, that's kind of snarky and not really informative here, Matt. He's God. I'm not in the business of telling him how he can talk to me or he can't. But I think a better way to say God spoke is to actually say, next on your notes, God communicates. God communicates. Here's why I think it's a better way to say it to help us all on our understanding is this. Married people in the room, used to be married people in the room, um, single people who ever dated anybody in the room, you understand when you're in a relationship with people, friends, family, doesn't matter, you can communicate multiple ways. Your first way to communicate is use your words, right? Hey, can you go do this? Or can you stop by the store and pick up eggs on the way home or something like that, right? You call, you send a text, right? But there's another way to communicate. Now, I don't know about you, but this has happened to me. I've been in the been married for 23 and a half years. 24 is, uh, is, is coming May. And so um, there have been times when I have kind of got let my hair down a little bit at a, at a dinner with people, and I start joking and saying some stuff that is not off, out of bounds, but I'm getting close to the sidelines, you know what I mean? And I feel this hand grab my leg under the table and start squeezing, right? She didn't say a word to me. But what is she saying? She's saying, cut it out. Right. Shut your mouth without saying shut your mouth. This little squeeze. You know, she's smiling at me. You know? And she's squeezing. And I'm like, you know, the first time it happened, I'm like, what are you squeezing my leg for? And she like smacks me. You know, and I'm like, I'm an idiot. Sorry, I didn't pick up on it. Okay, we're, we're communicating, but we're not using words, right? right? He's squeezing my leg. If she's sitting in front of me, you know, she's like nudging my foot. It's not just once because now I think, oh, she's flirting with me, right? But no, she starts knocking my foot, knocking my foot. She's looking at me like this. She's communicating without saying words, right? right. If you got kids or if you've ever babysit children, you understand that there's multiple ways to communicate to them. You can say to them, Troy, cut it out. He's my nephew, right? He's been here with us for like two weeks. So we've had this discussion one or two times around the house, right? Um, hey, don't do that. No, do not use the bathroom outside. Go into the bathroom, right? Like he's like, don't. I'm totally kidding. But so I'm, I'm trying not to. I, I can tell him things with my words, right? I can tell him things with my words. 
Or if you've had kids, you understand this, is that if you're over here and you're having a conversation or you're doing something and you hear your kid freaking out and you know they're doing something they're not supposed to be doing, what happens? <laughs> right? 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 You're communicating to them. What well, you didn't say your words, but when that kid sees it and they've seen that enough times, they go, They're telling me to stop doing this. I didn't hear their words, but they're communicating to me somehow, going, Cut it out. Cut it out. Right? Um, and I had to learn this in the Polynesian culture. I married into the Polynesian culture. And um, the first time I went to dinner at, at you know, some relatives' house or some cousins of Nina, I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting across the table from somebody, and we're eating dinner, and we're eating food that I still don't like, but I'm, like, I had the, you know, taro and all the, all the, all the coconut and the, yeah, 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 yeah. I just give it all to Ross when he's, when me and him are together. Um, I just give him the plate. Here you go, take the food. But I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm eating the food, and I'm looking at this guy, and all of a sudden, I, I hear him go like this, and I'm like, That, are you blowing a kiss at me, bro? Like, I don't know how this rolls where you're from, but where I'm from, this is not good. This is not cool. And then their child walks from the other room and goes, Dad, you called me? And I went, oh, they're communicating in a way without saying words, right? And look, if you know a Polynesian pe person, don't do that. Don't ever do that to them because it's also the way they call their animals. So it's good for them to do it together, but it's not something you can do, right? <clears throat> so I learned this. My dad, and the funny thing is, is that, you know, this is a side note, but people who are, like, have problem with, you know, racism and stuff, this is so funny to me because I'm married into a different culture that I see so many similarities between the Polynesian people and the old, like, mayonnaise white hicks that I grew up with, you know, like in my family, like in the south, in Florida. So many similarities. Because that, if you look at a Samoan person and they're frustrated with you, they'll go, eh. It's not even a word. E-H-H-H. -H -H. You know what I mean? Like, what is that? That's not even a word, right? My grandmother would go, Kh. a little bit different, kind of the same thing. If I was frustrating, my, if, you know, if I frustrated my wife, she goes, eh. If I frustrated my grandmother, she goes, Right? Like, so I'm like, oh, there's a lot of similarities here. They're communicating with me their disgust or frustration of something I'm doing at the moment. Um, my dad did this when he was a kid. It wasn't eh or like that. His sound to me was this. Hup! It was almost like, like football, like hike, right? He would go, hup! And when I heard that, I would look for my dad, and I knew that whatever I was doing, he probably wasn't happy with. So my poor son doesn't know this. He's seven years old. He walks out of his room in this apartment we're living in, and he goes to touch something, and I went, hup! And he goes, and he keeps right on doing what he was doing, and he picks up the thing I don't want him to pick up, and I'm like, son. He goes, yeah, dad. I go, didn't I just tell you to not touch that, leave it where it was, and go back to your room for your mom to come out here and get that? And he goes, no. And I went, Oh, yeah, you're right. My bad. That's what hup means. And he's like, what that? I'm like, ah, forget it, son. Forget it. Forget it. There's various ways to communicate. 
in a similar way, God is communicating to us through multiple avenues. The reason it's better to say um, God communicates other than God told me is because he may be communicating something to you that you drew a conclusion from without hearing these an audible voice. Because a lot of the people who go, I don't hear God talking to me. I never heard that. I've never had an experience where I go, oh, God told me when I was in my prayer time. Because they're waiting for like a big booming voice. They're waiting for the, 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 you know, the, the trumpets to go off or the lights to start flashing and be like, he spoke to me. And they run around the house, right? They're waiting for some kind of definitive thing that goes, that was him. And I think we haven't done a good job teaching this. So it leaves a lot of people to wander around going, I don't know, man. I'm trying my best to follow Jesus. I believe in him. I believe the Bible. I've come to church, but you guys keep talking about all this stuff about God talking to you. And I'm like, I don't get it. I mean, go ahead. It's cool. Maybe it's for you, but it's not for me. Maybe I don't have that gift or whatever. And it frustrates people. So I want to draw some clarity for it this week and next week. <clears throat> I want to paint a picture more than I want to just be like, here's three ways that it's going to happen for you. No. God can communicate however he wants. However he wants. But there's some ways that are very, um, very obvious through scripture that he talks to us. And I want to deal with just three of those tonight. And we'll talk about how, they, how you walk them out in your life. Okay? The first way, it's not first as in, um, in this order. He starts here and here and here and then he goes down this list. It's just the order that I'm going to present him in tonight, um, in tonight and next week. So the first one, letter A in your notes, that's why I use numbers, or not numbers, but letters. Eh? I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that. One of the ways that God speaks to us, letter A, is peace. Peace. P-E-A-C-E. -E. Not the piece of pie I would desperately like to eat before the end of the 90, but peace. P-E-A-C-E. -E. Like, peace. <clears throat> Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Let's go back to the first sentence. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. What is prayer? Huh? Communicating with God. Prayer is communicating with God. If you keep reading, he says how to start it. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Say it out of your mouth. There's sometimes in your heart, you can, you're can you not in a position where I can say it out of my mouth at this moment, but God, I need your help. Please, right now, I'm asking you to help me in the middle of this scenario. I need to make a decision some here. I need you to communicate to me how we're supposed to go about handling X, Y, and Z scenario. Tell them what you need. 
thank him for what he's done. Once you do that, then you're communicating with him. Communication uh, requires two people to talk, not just you dialoguing all the time. You're communicating with him. You're telling him what you need. You thank him for what he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which ex exceeds anything we can understand. How do I know if I'm just not past the emotion? Like I was scared and also the emotion's gone and I feel like I'm okay now. How do I know that it's God's peace because it exceeds anything you can understand? I don't know if you've ever been in a scenario where you've been like, God, I need your help now. I don't know what to do. I'm freaking out here. I'm, the, the situation is spiraling out of control. I lost my job. I'm worried about my family. My friends are acting like this. This person's in the hospital. This person's sick. I'm sick. God, I need your help right now. I don't know if you've ever been there and then had the, had the, 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 the temptation to sink really low. You ever, it's almost like you, someone dug a deep pit and you're just like, I'm not even going to fight not even being in the pit. I'm just going to fall right in it. I'm full of despair. I'm sad. Things are spiraling out of control. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but I definitely have. And if you walk with God long enough and ask him for his help, you're going to experience this too. Where it's like, I begin to kind of like fall back in that pit. Like, I don't even care. I'm just going to give in to the despair. And all of a sudden something goes, uh, and stops you. Right here. It just stops you. And you go, what is that? And it's the peace that passes understanding. You don't have to descend into this despair and chaos and worry. You don't have to get down in that emotional, mental, psychological, intellectual hole where you are thinking about how bad things are. You don't have to submit to all of the craziness that's going on in your life. You don't have to sink that low. I know you want to, but you are not alone. The Spirit of God, if you are serving Him, is residing in your heart already, and He's going, ah, ah, ah. I'm not going to let you go all the way down. Your heart's broken. You're bleeding. You're hurting. I understand that you're frustrated. I understand that you're confused. I understand that there's something going on that you don't understand, and it's going to hurt. You're going to deal with suffering, but you could go a lot lower, but uh, I'm going I'm to hold you right here so you don't go down as far as you could because you're not alone. How in the world, in the middle of the crazy crisis that you're dealing with, how in the world did you keep a level head, be clear in your mind, clear in your heart, and have so much confidence even though you were definitely heartbroken? It's because I went to God and said, I need you. And he has given us a gift. When I communicate with him, I bring my needs to him, he gives me a gift of peace. This is a way that he's communicating, you're not alone, I'm here with you, you're not by yourself, I'm not going to let you sink down into this pit as far as you could go. He is communicating to us through his peace. You may not have hear, heard his voice, 
you'll hear people interpret that and go, man, I just feel like God was telling me I'm not by myself. We didn't say that to you. You experienced his peace. It was something that transcends anything that you could come up with on your own. And you rest in that peace like he's going to take care of it. Yes, the police are here. He's going to take care of it. Yes, I just wept sitting in my car, leaving in the hospital, leaving the hospital with so-and-so, the person I cared about. But there's something in me that goes, he's with me. That peace is one way he's communicating to you. John 14, 23. says, Jesus talking to his disciples. Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate, some interpretations say the comforter, as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so do not be troubled or afraid. How is the Holy Spirit supposed to teach you everything or remind you? He communicates. You ever been in a situation where you're like, man, this is crazy. I know that I shouldn't be doing X, Y, or Z or this thing, or I'm not really sure why I should. Or you've been talking to somebody who's trying to justify, like, living a sinful life and all of a sudden you boom this scripture pops up in your mind that you didn't remember before uh guess what that is not your great memory accessing the file of the scripture that you put away that is the spirit of god pushing something up in you in essence he's saying remind them of this scripture without telling you remind them of this scripture right he's communicating to you and he says right here jesus even identifies that the advocate or comforter is the holy spirit he's going to teach you and remind you of everything i've told you and this is not a separate statement i am leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart that gift is directly attached to the holy spirit the spirit of god that resides in you that gift is tied to him. <clears throat> so don't be troubled or afraid. Look what he says about it. This is a peace I give. This gift of peace I give is one the world cannot give. You cannot meditate long enough. You cannot sit and try to envision yourself in the future long enough. You cannot think enough positive thoughts. You cannot have enough affirmations that you run through in the morning. There's not enough mantras or crystals or little seance things or little, little meditation periods that you can go through that will get you the peace that is directly from God. How in the world can you maintain peace when everything around you is falling apart? 
because God's communicating to me through his peace, I'm not alone. And I'm not submitting to my own emotion or my own intellect. I'm submitting to him. And what I'm telling you at this moment is I'm praying and I'm telling him what I need. I'm making my request known to him. And he gives me this peace. Like, I don't know how it's going to work out. It's not the power of positive thinking. It's not just me being like, oh, well, I mean, what are we supposed to do? I guess we just get up and try it again tomorrow. Not that. I'm talking about a holy confidence that sits down in the soul and the spirit of someone who is following Jesus that goes, (laughs) what the enemy meant for my destruction. I just got this sense that God's going to use it for something great. How can you say that in the middle of fill in the blank of the worst thing you've experienced in your life? I have no clue, but there's something There's this peace. It's God communicating to me. I'm not alone. Without saying the words, hey man, you're not alone. When we have peace that we can't explain, that leads us to a confident hope in God while facing uncertainty in life, God is communicating to us. Another way he communicates, let her be in your notes. provision provision now I'm going to read this passage to you real quick and I'm going to show you how it's abused and I'm going to try to pull us out of the abuse of the scripture and then show us what is being uh, presented to us Isaiah 43 14 through 19 This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in in those ships they're so proud of. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do, for I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. You can probably already see, if you've been around the church world long enough, how this passage can be misused. How it's misused is they take the nation of Israel out because this is not written to you, it's written for you. It's not written to you. This is God talking to the nation of Israel through his prophet Isaiah. They didn't have the Holy Spirit back uh, that was Um, um, given to them as a gift because they had faith in Christ. That was not established yet. It's part of the new covenant. What we have here is God talking to his people through his prophet. And he's, how you abuse this is you put yourself in as the Israelites. Or you think of the problem that you're facing, the giant in your life, if you put yourself in the David and Goliath story. And you replace 
your name with Israel and the problem you're facing with Babylon. And so the preacher trick is to kind of flip it on you. Because the Bible says that the, the children of Israel, God's children, you're God's children. So this applies to you. Well, no, not really. Um, for your sakes, I will bring an army against Babylon or my problem. I got somebody who betrayed me. I got a job who just let me go. I've, I'm, I'm dealing with a lot of, of, of uncertainty and all these things in my life. And so I use that as Babylon. So how I read it is, oh, Matt, for your sake, I am bringing an, I am, I'm sending an army against your problem. I am forcing your problem to flee. And now, as the Lord, your creator, king, I'm the one who solved all these problems for you in the past. But guess what? Forget all the things we've done in the past because it's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Organ screams, people shout, somebody runs, everybody starts clapping. Yes, won't he do it, won't he do it? Touch five people and say, won't he do it, won't he do it, won't he do it? <laughs> right? You've seen that before, right? Everywhere, all over the country. It's not like it only happens in L.A. or it's everywhere. It's everywhere. But he's not talking to you. What if the next phase of your life, he's not going to get you out of it? What if he has orchestrated the next seven years of your life to suffer and crush you to eliminate some of the incorrect beliefs that were present in you like he did to me? What if the next phase of your life is he's not going to solve the issue? He's not going to take the problem away. The problem's going to get worse because it's going to press you in a way that you never would have been pressed in some other situation. It's going to push out all the anger, the vile hatred, all the incorrect beliefs. And then he's going to use that to say, now let's deal with it. The problem is looking at everybody and going, oh, everything that's coming, coming up for you is going to be better than what you did before. Yeah, everything that you did before is nothing compared to what's going to happen. And all of that stuff, that's, it could be. God could choose to do that for you. But this passage is not a guarantee that every single person that's in the room that will hear the sound of my voice, watch this, or listen to it later is going to have some great um, exploit in the future. We would hope for that. We would hope that our obedience leads us to a, a place where we'll be more effective in telling people about Christ. But God is God, and the same way he can speak however he wants to, he can lead you and put you through whatever ringer he wants to to fulfill his purpose. So what is he saying through this passage? He's saying... Uh, look at my character when my kids obey me. When you obediently leave Egypt, I have provided miraculous ways for you to survive because you obeyed me. Remember Joseph and the coat of many colors, that story? He provided a whole bunch of scenarios that were not good for Joseph but led him to a place where he literally saved millions of people, including the family that would, where the, the 12 tribes of Israel would come from. 
Paul and Silas were in prison. And how has he released them from prison through an earthquake that he causes that all the jail cells open? What he's saying to us, what we are, what he's communicating here to us is, hey, if you obediently follow him, if you have heard him, you have sensed him communicating to you, go this direction and you obediently follow his direction that he has given through communicating to you. He can do whatever he wants to clear the road for you. He can, he's the one who parted the sea. He's the one who drew the Egyptian armies in there. He's the one that collapsed the sea on those people. He's the one that set that whole thing up so Israel would not be chased the rest of their lives by the Egyptians. He ended that once and for all by putting them in harm's way. He's reminding us as his children, you follow me, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what you think it looks like. It doesn't matter what you feel it looks like. You obey me, and I'm going to clear a way, one way or another, I'm going to clear the path for you to have success in your obedience. God's character is on display. And what is he communicating to those who obey him? Through his character that's on display in the Old Testament. I'm not going to leave you hanging. You're not going to walk alone. You're going to come up with obstacles and I can mow those things down. So don't be afraid. Don't be apprehensive. Just do what I said. Walk right through the water. Stand here in the water. Walk right through the desert. I can put streams in the desert. I can do all of that. He's not guaranteeing that is exactly what he's going to do for you in this situation. But if you're obediently following him, his character is saying to you through his provision how he's providing for you as you move he's saying you're my kid i'm not leaving you you have some people who will say the words god spoke to me and told me i'm his kid he's not going to leave me they put words to how god was communicating they didn't hear hear they didn't hear with their ears what he's saying they realize he's communicating to them i got provision for you you're going to obey me you're going to step out on faith and obey me you're going to walk the way that i said to walk you're going to follow the spirit that the, of, of god that's pushing you in this direction you're obediently going to lay down that job you're going to obediently lay down what you want to do so you can go follow me i am going to provide opportunities and openings for you that you could not do on your own and when he does that he's communicating you're going the right direction you're doing the right thing um i had a um i heard it explained this way i don't remember from where or i would give him credit but i heard it explained where if you obediently follow god and while you're going along this way this route there's these little blessings, these little things that break your way. There's these little things that people start blessing you with along the way after you've made this decision. It's almost like God's giving you a, not a sign, like give me a sign, not like that. It's almost like little sign markers, like mile markers, little winks going, hey, you're going the right way. He didn't say, Hey, Matt, you're going the right way. 
he's communicating through other avenues to all of us. He does that through peace. He does that through provision. <clears throat> the last one we'll talk about today is he does that through letter C, which is providence. <clears throat> providence, P-R-O-V-I-D-E-N-C-E, providence. <clears throat> Another way to say providence is circumstances. Divine providence is basically a way to say divine, uh, divinely orchestrated circumstances. He is causing things to happen in a way that um, allow you to complete what your obedient response to him. Does that make sense? Everybody follow me? 1 Corinthians 10, verses 13, verse 13. <clears throat> the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out that you can endure. How does he show you a way out? He communicates to you. He may not go, Matt, don't go in there. <clears throat> but if I'm in the room that I said I didn't want to be in, if I'm with the people I said I didn't want to be around, they're doing the thing that I said I didn't want to be doing, and now the invitation has come to me to participate. I have put myself in this terrible position, but even in that moment, there's this thing that run across my mind. I can go back there with them, or there's another door right there. You might think, well, that's just logic. Well, you just put yourself in a situation to be invited to do the thing you said you didn't want to do, but ultimately you really wanted to do. Because you're there. And all of a sudden, after you just made five decisions that got you to this crazy place, you're telling me at that point, you just had the moral um, integrity to be like, maybe I shouldn't be here. No, bro. None of you have it. None of, our, none of us. I don't have it. And that moment when it's like, I could slip out that door right there and tell them I'll be back in five minutes and be gone and no one would even care. God is communicating to you, drawing your attention to a way of escape. <clears throat> He's giving you a way out. He's showing you 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 might have somebody who says god spoke to me and told me to go out that door well he didn't tell them to go out the door i don't think he told them to go out the door he's bringing up in them a way to get out so that you cannot participate in the thing that your flesh is driving you to do he does that by communicating to you through providence through circumstance you happen to be sitting here and not in a bedroom somewhere. There's only one way out. You're actually sitting here where I got multiple ways to get out of here. He is the one who's orchestrated 
that exact moment to give you a way out. But he's not going to force it on you. <clears throat> he's communicating to all of us. <clears throat> um, it's a little thing, but let me show you. Um, let me give you a, let me give you two examples as we kind of wrap up the message here today, okay? <clears throat> so one of these is I was um, in Texas with um, uh, going to a we were driving to a lake to do to to participate in some type of a, like a discipleship um, thing with some of our students, right? Um, and we were running it. So me and Nina and a whole bunch of our team were in our truck and we're driving on this road that I don't know if you've ever been to Texas, but the construction on the road there never stops ever. It, it, it's always, it's perpetual. Like eternal life is heaven and construction in the, on the freeways in Texas. This one road we were on was so packed. It should have been a four lane on either side road, but it was a one laner. So we were at gridlock stuck. We were like, are we going to make it? How are we going to get there on time? This is something that's very impactful for these students. Man, we got to get there. And as I'm driving, I'm sitting there in traffic. We start to get a little bit of space to go. I hit the gas and all of a sudden I hear, boom. My steering goes stiff and I'm like, oh no. My car starts overheating. So I pull off real quick and the people who are following us pull off behind us and be like, what happened? I'm like, I don't know. Mike knows immediately what happened, right? And so I learned, and so I'm like, what are we going to do? This is, we did not need to be late. And two cars behind me, this guy pulls off behind, off on the side of the road. He says, hey man, you having a problem? I'm like, who are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm having a problem. And he goes, um, with your car? And what happens? I told him the steering went got real stiff, it started overheating right away. He goes, oh, it sounds like a belt. And I'm like, how do you know? He goes, I'm a mobile mechanic and I was just on my way home. I'm normally at home at three o'clock, but I got stuck at my last job until five and now I'm stuck in this traffic. I just decided to come home instead of waiting for it like I normally would, I don't know why, but he pops the hood and he goes, yep, it's the belt. There's an auto zone one mile right down that road that I didn't know about. He said, the person behind you, I'll stop the traffic for you so they can kind of flip around and go take you to the auto zone. And if you just bring me back the belt and 20 bucks, I'll throw it on for you real quick and you guys can go. I'm like, this dude, ain't no way he knows how to fix this car. Who just pulls over like that and is like, oh yeah, it was two cars behind you and I was normally late, but now I would normally wait for the traffic to go. But I decided not to today for some strange reason. And so then I bring the, I go yeah. and I'm like, well, dude, there's no bank around here. And I tell the guy at AutoZone, can I get cash back? He goes, oh, we don't normally do that, but sure, I'll do it for you today. Okay. So I go, he puts that thing on. He, by the time we get there, he's got the tools he needs for it in his truck. He's got everything loosened to try to make the pulleys work correctly. Mm -hmm. He moves them all in, tightens it all up. We're back on the road in 20 minutes. God orchestrated circumstances. Now you could be like, oh, well, that just happened. Yeah, I don't know. Because I've been broke down places where 
I wasn't supposed to be in. God didn't send me no person to help me right then. I had to walk. Divine orchestration of a circumstance. Just so happened that what I needed was two cars behind me right at the right time. And I just so happened to have information from this guy that was passed on to me that I didn't know that he had his tools with him and he helped me. I don't even know if he was a believer. If, just pretend for a second he wasn't, that should cook your noodle even more. God is nudging people who are not believers to be in a place to help you because he is interested in you obeying him and making an impact on people. Dude, what is, how many things in your life, how many opportunities, open doors from non-believers who gave you a shot were you not supposed to have but because God orchestrated the circumstance knowing you needed him in that moment how many of those things have already happened for you this is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible Romans 5 8 God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. It kind of summarizes the gospel, but it also, the reason I love it so much is it means God put a plan in place for me to be saved and reconciled to God before I even knew I needed it. He moved on, he moved and created a circumstance that would help me before I even needed the help, before I was even born. Do you want to talk about forethought? You want to talk about preparing a place for you and for me and for his believers. You want to talk about him divinely orchestrating things and communicating to us long before we ever needed it? Can you imagine breaking down and just finding a shovel on the side of the road and with an arrow that says dig here and you dig there and pull out the belt for the car that you needed? Like, what is this? That's what he did. He knew exactly what you needed and through his circumstances and through divinely orchestrating circumstances in life, he has provided for you through those circumstances, through his providence, the things that you need as a believer. Here's my last story before we wrap up. I saw this work firsthand. Now, this has not happened a lot to me. I don't want to. I don't want to, you know, present the idea that this happens once a month in the pool household or whatever. But it doesn't. This happened once. We were um, uh, helping a church, and we helped do the service on Sunday, and we were coming back for a meeting on Tuesday. They took Mondays off. Sunday service went really great. We were leading worship, helping out. Monday was the day off, so we kind of took a day to rest. Tuesday morning, we came in. Well, the person who came in on Tuesday morning, you know, the, the person who was running the office was obviously there on Monday, and there wasn't any problem at the building, but on Tuesday, we went in and unlocked the door, and it was hot. Now, all of us Arizona people understand what it's like when the AC goes out here. It is an emergency right because you're like man there's health conditions that can be 
massively impacted if it's 118 outside and your air went out. We gotta have it. Talk about, I need you to survive like the song. I sang that to my AC one day, right? I'm just kidding, I didn't do that. It's just a, I don't know why I said that. That's a dumb joke. Anyway, <laughs> um, um, so the air went out in this big building and we didn't have the money to fix it. So we were like, who can we call? Is there anybody that we can call to, maybe if there's a mechanic or, or an AC repairman in the church, maybe someone who does like handiwork that might be able to piece together until we can get enough money together to look at these big AC units because the building was massive. It used to be a grocery store. It was like, it was, half of it was unrenovated. It was, it was like 40,000 square feet massive. And so we were like, oh my goodness. So we were like, what are we gonna do? I'm like, I don't know. It was asked the Lord to help us and we prayed and finished our meeting with a bunch of fans and we walked out, okay? Sunday, it's okay. Monday, it's okay. Tuesday morning, we came in and that morning it goes out, it's hot and we don't know what to do. Sunday, it's okay. Monday, it's okay. Tuesday, it goes out. We walk out of that morning meeting at about 11.45, almost 12 o'clock and this FedEx truck goes by the windows, these big windows out by where we're having the meeting, and it just stops and then backs up. I'm like, oh, are you guys so and so? And reads off the name, one of the people's name we're with, and we're like, yeah. He's like, oh, I just drove by and saw you. I didn't see a way to get in. Here, sign here. So we signed it, and it was an envelope. He opened up the FedEx package, and it was a check for $25,000. And we were like, what just happened? And there was a note inside that said, um, hey, God bless you guys. And the person who gave it signed the thing. And so we knew who he was. He was still a, um, a friend. And so we called him and said, hey, man, first of all, thanks. Um, but second of all, this is crazy timing because we had this problem we can't solve. Sunday was okay, Monday was okay, Tuesday it broke, then we got the check. He goes, this is crazy, this don't really happen to me a lot, but I was in prayer Monday morning. I just felt this impression that I needed to write this check for this amount of money and send it to you and I couldn't drop it in the mail. I had to overnight it to you. And I, when I got there, they said, do you want to overnight it so it'll get there by the end of the day or by noon? He goes, I did it by noon because I just felt in my heart, I need to do it. It's got to get there right away. I don't know why. He prayed on Monday when the air was still working. He wrote the check and overnighted it on Monday, not knowing why he overnighted it when the air was still working. And while the provision and the prop was in transit, it broke. And by the time we realized it broke, and needed help and didn't know what we were going to do, it was already there. God spoke to someone, impressed upon them, gave them direction that they acted on before the issue ever happened. Before the air was broken, before we knew there was a need, God already moved on somebody else because he sees everything. God did not tell me verbally that day, hey, what you're doing 
I'm blessing. Hey, what you're doing, I'm looking out for you. Hey, you took a step of obedience, I got your back. Don't let any of this crazy stuff, um, any of this stuff that's breaking down, put any type, type of pressure on you because you are obediently following me. I'm got, I've got you on the other end. You should rejoice and go forward freely because I have given you what you need. None of that was said to me, but all of it was communicated. All of it was communicated. Amen. I left there that day going, wow. I'm not alone. God sees me. He's working things out for my good because I'm obediently following him. He is speaking. He's communicating to you. Does God still communicate today? absolutely does he do it in a way where you hear his voice or you sat in prayer and all of a sudden you go oh there it is he just got me probably not he could do it he could load up a word like a softball and launch it from the heaven and knock you in the side of the head he could do whatever he wants but when I look at his word I'm seeing him constantly communicating to us. I've never had that moment where it just kind of struck a chord with me, Matt, where I sat there at the end of the service. You ask us, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And I just sit there and I'm kind of blank and I don't know what's going on and, and I, I, I don't really know how that works. Stop. Did you bring your issue to him and did he give you peace? He's talking to you. Did you have a need that you took before him and he provided the need? He's talking to you. Did something work out that you had no hand in and go, oh my gosh, I couldn't even orchestrate this if I, if I needed it. And he provided something for you or, or provided the guy to, to help you on the side of the road or provided the, the money before you knew there was a problem. Has he done anything in a similar vein, not those details, but in a similar vein for you, he's communicating to you. We have to stop with the thing of, I didn't hear him speak. Nobody does. Nobody hears him speaking. My guess is if you heard that, it would crush you. He's communicating in a way that you can understand. But maybe until now, you've never thought when he gives me peace, he's communicating to me. He's communicating to you. He might not tell you how to make the greatest recipe. He might not tell you to put your left shoe on before your right one. But everything he talks about has a caring eternal significance for you or for someone else it's never just a thing if the creator of the universe is taking time to orchestrate something for you and communicate to you it's going to work out to an eternal end or he's going to he's communicating his love to you which solidifies your faith in him which leads to an eternal end yeah. 
So <clears throat> next week, I'm going to talk about more ways that God communicates to us. But I think you're starting to see the picture. We'll go over more of them next week, but I'm going to set this picture into place for you. And then I'm going to ask God this week to communicate to his children. I don't want to present the idea that he's only going to communicate to his children because I know people who are Muslims who are having dreams in the Middle East about Jesus asking, why are you persecuting me? And they're rejecting Islam and becoming believers. God can talk however he wants to talk. What we have is his spirit inside of us that teaches, reveals, and shows us and re reminds us of the things of Jesus and never contradicts his word. We got some great guide markers for how he will communicate to us. We just got to, now that we understand, put into practice and learn, man, I needed this answered. And it didn't come like the way I was praying for it, but this thing came here and kind of solved this issue. God might be communicating to me. Why would he do that? Because he loves you and knows that your best place is with him. God told me it was okay to do something immoral. That's the wrong spirit you're listening to. That's not the holy one. But if it leads to him, good chance it's him communicating to us. 